Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Harvard, your host, and with me today is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing, Brandon? I'm not doing half bad, Mark. How about you? I am ecstatic. This is the special raise up edition of Baseball Biz. We're here today. We're taking a look at what's happened with these first few games and what happened with opening day here in Tampa as well. We've got a whole lot of things to talk about today, man. You know, we were playing as we got started uh, the intro. Love that sound, by the way, that little stomps and claps from Scott Holmes. But the words from our good friend, Mr. Kevin Cash from last year and about his stable of pitchers. That was something in itself. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on when we get into the part with the Yankees and how that series has been going with uh, the Rays this year. Kind of give you an idea, too, what's going on. While we're going to be celebrating the Rays opening day at the Trop, we're going to be looking you know, at the launch of that homestand. We're going to be looking at part one uh, we had last week of an interview with Lou Schiff. You know, he's the judge, author of Baseball and the Law, and a dedicated Marlins fan. Last week during the regular Baseball Biz show, he shared with us his experience on opening day. He was there as a season ticket holder, and he told us what it was like at the park. This week, we'll be hearing part two of the Lou Schiff interview, and we'll dig a little deeper into the Rays and Marlins series that, that launched the 2021 season, you know, on opening day there. We're going to be looking at some fresh faces and new veterans that are joining the Rays. Brent Honeywell, who's actually not all that new. Maybe a look briefly at uh, the Red Sox. Opening day at the Trop. Uh, Brandon, I was clicking my heels three times and reciting, there's no place like home. Couldn't wait for that to happen. There isn't a place like home. They seem to cure all the blues they had up in Boston. And as they come back home, they can score and pitch to a certain degree. Yeah, and that was very, very, I was very thankful for that. But, you know, the other thing we'll take a look to is the troops that are waiting in the wings in the prospects, talking about the injury reports, talking about COVID ILs. We'll also look at the uh, special CC Sabathia Good Sportsmanship Award. who got that in this past series. Want to talk about the X-rays. We, we talk, try to take a look at some folks who've left, you know, recently, like Blake Snell going to the Padres. But this week, we're going to take a look at Nate Lowe and the importance he had with Rays and what he's doing with his career now. Yeah, we could really use someone like Nate Lowe right now, couldn't we? Yeah, oh, brother, could we? And man. He has a lot of strengths. We'll chat more about that in a bit. So, I mean, let's face it. You know, we, right now, we've been looking at opening week. We're looking maybe at, what, maybe 6% of the entire season. So, judging any team anyway can be too harsh, maybe, or too expectant of great things. Let's take a look at the first three games that the Rays played in Marlins Park. And the second part of the interview about the Marlins-Rays series. And Lou, I know you as a diehard Marlins fan, opening day came April 1st, and there was no April Fool's for you. It was there. You were in the stadium. Let's talk a little bit about that series. We brought that up. Well, you, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I was disappointed that Alcantara only went six innings. Uh, he's, you know, he had a good game. He struck out seven. He got in trouble in the first inning, loaded the bases, but got out of it. And Glasnow looked like 
uh, a Cy Young Award winner. I mean, he was moving the ball around. I think he struck out a half a dozen guys in, in six innings, gave up one hit, uh, didn't walk anybody. And, and my seats are behind the visitors' dugout. And when he came off the field in the sixth inning, I don't know who started talking to him, but you could see he was angry. They were telling him he was through. And you could see he was angry. He wanted to go back out and pitch the seventh. But uh, great, you know, great pitching that, that, that first uh, six innings. You know, there were, I think there were three hits uh, combined in the, in the first six innings. Wow. And then everything was going great until uh, Garcia came in in the, uh, I guess, the seventh inning, first two guys uh, fly out and they hit the ball hard. And I'm thinking to myself, if he keeps throwing this way, Meadows is going to absolutely crush it. And that's exactly what he did. So he, he solo home run, um, one nothing. Uh, relief staff comes in. I think you had Fairbanks come in. And then uh, Castillo got your save. He got into a I thought there was a man on base in the ninth inning or something. Maybe that was the eighth inning. Who was it that hit a long ball? Um, Aguilar. He hit a long ball to, to left field, but it was right on the warning track. And that was it. It was a one nothing game. The game was less than three hours. Rays, Rays deserved that one. That was a you know, well-pitched game. Uh, didn't make any mistakes. But for one pitch, the Marlins didn't make any mistakes either. It was a really good opening day game. Both of both of those pitchers, I, I'm, I was excited to see both of them on the mound. And like you, I, I think I was saying, uh, six innings. Well, I'm not surprised that Cash pulled him after six innings. He has mm-hmm. that's kind of to form. And let's see, I think he had about 77 pitches. And your guy Alcatara had uh, 82. I think he was in the 80s. 82. I think he was in the 80s when, when it finally ended. Yeah. Uh, he had, uh, look but, it up here. He yeah. had 83 pitches. 83, yes. okay. But the thing is, I mean, both of these are powerful, fantastic pitchers. And if you don't have the bullpen, you don't know what's going to happen. And certain days you're, they're going to be on, on there, and other days they aren't. And Diego Castillo, mm-hmm. he was mostly on that day. I've seen days where I'm like, oh, my gosh, Diego, please. We, we don't have Nick Anderson, boo-hoo-hoo. I know you say that to me. You guys got your own, own thing to take care of. But game three was about as exciting as you want to be if you're looking for activity. And well, you, you skipped over the game, game oh. two. Where, where, <laughs> well, let's go. I mean, I'll give you the do, you know. I just, I just, my gut inside said that that four to two lead wasn't safe. And, you know. You guys come back, and, and now it's six, what, six four. We lose six four. Uh, that that's one of those kind of games that uh, we should have won. I mean, that, yeah. if, if if you're looking at it objectively, we we blew that game. Uh, we gave it back to you, but your team, you know, that's the way you played last year too, and, and we played a lot like that last year too. But we only made the playoffs, and you made the World Series, and and for some reason, you guys just destroy us. Uh, we, we had lost like 13 out of 14 games before we finally picked up the, uh, the, uh, the last game of the series. You, you guys just destroy us when you play us. It's, it's not like it was years and years ago when we looked forward to playing uh, the Rays. Now you guys come into town and you're, you're like, you're, you're the best team on the planet. Well, you guys in postseason looked really, you know, getting all the way there last year was, was important. And I'm looking at your team now and there's a, Guys, I love to watch. I mean, I love watching all this uh, Marte. I love looking at Jazz Chisholm. Oh, and then I lo- love looking at a few guys you used to see on our field here, you know, whether it be Dickerson or, or Jesus Aguilar. Those, 
you got an exciting group of people out there on the field. Bertie, let's see who else am I forgetting? I'm Bertie is so much fun to watch. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a scrappy player. He can play anywhere in the field. He gives you a quality at bat. He has the most, I think he saw the most pitchers per at bat than anybody else. And in that game on, uh, on Saturday, he battled back with two strikes and had a big hit. He's a very tough out. And that's what the Marlins need. And what I liked about the way the Marlins played on, on Saturday was that they kind of played a Sunday lineup. And, and, and so you saw in the game three or four players, Chad Wallach, who's not the first string catcher right now. Uh, and, and so Chad Wallach was playing and, and Birdie was playing. And um, uh, Lewis Brinson came in uh, and, and played. Brinson still has, has, you know, I'm not sure if Brinson's going to make it till the end of the season. But guys, uh, for example, so Marte went 0 for 4 in opening day, struck out four times, just looked terrible. He went uh, seven for 11 in the rest of the series. And in, and in that Sunday game, he went four for five. Um, it, it, was, it was just a really good effort. Uh, Wallach went two for three. Uh, Chisholm, uh, although he didn't have a hit in the game, he stole a couple of bases and single-handedly scored on a, on a, on a weak ball to right field. Uh, Cooper, playing right field, did a great job. A lot of guys came off the bench. And, and, and did a good job. Uh, and so as opposed to last year, we have a very deep bench where you, like you mentioned Dickerson, we, we can bring in Dickerson and then Duval, of course, yeah. he came in and he gets a pinch hit home run. Uh, and, 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 you know, when you have a guys like Dickerson and Duval that are on the bench for you during a game, that, and that makes you feel pretty good that that's your bench day. Well, it was exciting. And I'll say one more thing about uh, Jesus. He's fun. Okay. He's fun to watch. I mean, whether you see him at first or whether at bat, as playful as he is, mm -hmm. you know, if he sees somebody he knows, he'll make, he's got a grin and a smile like none other. He, he reminds me of like a five-year-old child as far as that, that smile. He, he's engaging, but man, if don't take him for granted, that, that playfulness is real serious when he comes up there at the bat or if he's going to go ahead and make sure he gets you out at first. But I enjoy watching him a great deal too. So, And he's a great, he's a great teacher. So I, early in the game, there was a ground ball hit to Chisholm at second base, and he kind of rushed the throw to first base. And Aguilar kind of looked at him with his hands and kind of just told him to breathe, you know, take it easy, slow it down. So you can see him, he's teaching him, you know, during the game. You know, just, just relax. He's got that big smile on his face. You know, have a good time. And, I, and, and that's going to help. You know, that, that, that's going to help. You know, but let's look at your team. I mean, you, your team – just home runs after home runs in, in those first couple of games uh, won it for you. you. Clutch, clutch hitting for, for the Rays. The one thing I want to see out of the Rays is I want to see some more small ball. Uh, as a fan, as much as just performance, I want to be able to see get men on base and I want to see you get them in and it shouldn't take a home run. I am very, very thankful for the, the team that we have and the performance that they gave, but as a fan, I really look forward to seeing some small ball. I, I enjoy seeing Chisholm steal those bases the other day. You know, that's there's an excitement above and beyond anything that a home run's going to bring. You know, when you when you think about Chisholm, didn't even he didn't even have to hit the ball to to do what he did the other day. That's those things are is uh, 
they're as entertaining or more so than, than just even the home run. But I'm thankful for them. I'm not going to say no to them, but because they're exciting in their own right as well. And I, and I tell you, I like, I don't know if Meadows is going to hit 60 home runs for you this year, but he hit two against us in the series and, and that he won two games with his back for you. And uh, I know that he's, he's there to help you win games. Uh, but out of the, out of the number was he batting second, you know, hit, hitting those home runs absolutely huge clutch, clutch hits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In that ninth yeah. inning, in that ninth inning in, in game, in, the, in game two, um, just, just, Big, big hits. And that's what I like about the Rays. I think that uh, you can't be comfortable playing the Rays with a two or three run lead or four run lead. You, you just can't get comfortable because they come back and battle. And they showed that. They showed that on uh, on Saturday. Uh, it was a Friday night, second game two of the series. They showed that on Friday night. How, you know, I think the Marlins may have taken their, you know, the foot off the gas a little bit. You know, they, they may have uh, thought it was over when it's not over, which is a good lesson to learn in game two of the season. They're just as important as the games you play in September, but sometimes you learn more when you lose than when you win. Well, there's no doubt if, if you can learn early. That's uh, I was talking a little bit before we actually had started with the show where we're saying that it's the first week of baseball. There's 162 games, boys and girls. And if a team is learning something in these first few weeks, fantastic. Learn it, take it, turn it into something. And I, I said, Aguilar, I, I love watching him. I love anybody that can see mentoring it. And he does it in such a gentle and friendly way. Uh, I look forward to that. I, I know we, I felt like we had that with Charlie Morton, not necessarily the same uh, exuberance that Jesus puts out there, that mentorship. And, mm-hmm. you know, and oh my gosh, my favorite of that whole time was watching Joy Wendell. Here's a guy in 2019 hit three home runs. You know, he hit one the other night and brought two other folks in. And I enjoyed that moment is another one of those moments. I really enjoyed of the entire game. And especially I like joy uh, thinking last year when we were the Rays were playing the Yankees and Tanaka bang, hit him at the very, like the first pitcher at the very beginning of the game. And Joey just runs down to first with a grin on his face. He's like, eh, you know, this is how the game is. And, Players like that, they, they get my respect, no matter what their performance is all the time. If, if they keep an attitude, if they know how to mentor others, and if they learn. Well, Brandon, Lou Schiff, once again, thank you for participating with us here at Baseball Biz. That was the second part of the two-part interview he did with us, one last week. And this one focusing on the Marlins Rays games. Brandon, I don't know about you, but it would be a hard time to be a Marlins fan when you had a game conclude with Mr. Conforto walking up there at the plate and a questionable hit-by-pitch, <laughs> which ends the game with a walk-off. I mean, I can't ever remember seeing a walk-off hit-by-pitch. I can't think off the top of my head the last time I saw one. I know I've seen it before. It just doesn't happen that often. and. I, I kind of feel bad for Marlins fans because, you know, they had that, that really good run last year into the playoffs and they had some excitement around their team coming into this year. And of course, it started off with the blood war that is known as the Citrus Series, you know, two teams with pure hatred for each other. <laughs> so they dropped that series two to three and off to a horrible start. And then you lose to a division rival in the Mets with a walk-off hit by pitch that honestly should have been a strike. And I believe that would have been an out. 
to lose that way is kind of upsetting. And you're only what? Maybe two percent into the year, yeah, right now? yeah. I mean, at, at that point, it's like, really? Are you are you kidding me? Always questionable calls by umpires, but that one, you know, kind of hits the mark. And there are some other ones we'll talk about as well. But ah, uh, gosh, I feel for Lou and all the rest of the other Marlins fans. I haven't talked to him about that since that game, but I was seeing other Mets fans, even on social media and other podcasts, who were saying, yeah, you know. Eh. Maybe, maybe not, but uh, we'll, we'll take the win. But, you know, I don't know if I'd really like to win that way, but, hey, it's a it's another one in the win column. We'll take it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, as weird as it sounds with the season being 162 games, every game does matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, people say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Every game doesn't matter until you miss the playoffs by half a game. <laughs> well, we'll just put it that yeah, way. Exactly. I mean, because there's some of us who will say, well, you know, right now, Brandon, we're only 6% into the season. You know, I mean, the Rays, we had a four-game losing streak. <laughs> and that's that's hurtful. I mean, we won the first two games with the Marlins. Then we decided to take that onto the road. And, whoa, didn't work out so well. I mean, three games lost to the Boston Red Sox. Good heavens, why? You know, why? What's, what was that with? Uh, the Rays are hungry, man. They're they're ready to return to the fall classic. You take the 2021 commissioner's trophy home the tone was set on opening day we'll, we'll go into that in a bit too but the thing is with the red sox good gravy man three games in a row I, it, it was painful to watch to lose those three games to boston to a team that some would consider rather inferior in, in the al east yeah we talked about it many times especially the last month with everybody saying or they were actually picking the Red Sox with a better chance to win the division than the Rays, and we were confused by that. And we were walking into that series kind of like, well, if the Rays are who we think they are, and if the Red Sox are who we think they are, the Rays should go out there and show that they're the better team, and at least take two out of three. A sweep would be great. But there was a sweep, it was just the wrong way, and honestly, to me, they didn't look good at all. There's nothing good about that series to me to take away like no silver lining nothing they just all around wrong it was just ugly i mean flat out ugly the funny thing is if you look after all of the al east teams playing nine games you're going to see that the red Sox are leading the al east with let's see their winning percentage is 667 they're leading so that's win six wins and three losses <laughs> i say okay who's second oh Who's second, third, fourth, and fifth? Who's last? All the other four teams. Yankees, Orioles, Blue Jays, Rays all have four wins and five losses, and they're under 500. Uh, <laughs> can he get much? Go ahead. I mean, can he get any crazier than that? I mean, I don't, I don't think it can because, I mean, even though it's early, we can, you know, sort of take this with a grain of salt. It's not how we really thought it would go. We did not open the season thinking that the Orioles would sweep the Red Sox rather easily because I don't think the – when I saw the Red Sox didn't have a multi-run inning right. that whole series, and then they swept the Rays rather easily. And then we rolled into the Yankees series, more on that in a couple minutes, thinking the way the Rays are playing, they're going to get killed. And they ended up taking two out of three from that series, and most of the games look pretty decent. It's It's just early. We can't really – get too worked up either way 
about a win or a loss, but it's still frustrating either way. You're seeing what I say, and I contradict myself because, yeah, you know, it's early on. But then we say, <laughs> but, you know, every win counts. That means every loss counts too. <laughs> and it, it's kind of hard. So uh, I guess that we can say, well, we are running second in the ALEs. However, we just happen to be holding that position with three other teams. Uh, yeah, you just you don't have to be in the lead in June or July. Just be in the lead at the end when it matters most. Yeah, well, that's what I say. I, I'm with you. I'm I'm just tired. Of, I was ugly watching them play in Boston for a couple of reasons. How daggone cold it was. That's insane. Being out there and you see these guys with their breath out there. I, I, what I liked about the World Series last year is that you had two Southern teams. You had the Padres and the Rays. So, well, the Rays are indoors, so it really wouldn't matter anyway. But you weren't going <laughs> to be out there freezing. I mean, come October, you're pointing out to me earlier. So, Mark, you know, it's by the time the Fall Classic comes around, guess what? It's cold. It's cold. Even though it's the beginning of the season, you can still learn how to play in the cold because newsflash, the playoffs are in October. And I mean, I know it doesn't get really cold down here, but for the rest of America, it gets pretty cold. And last year, if Texas didn't have the Dome and they were still playing in their old stadium, weren't they having ice storms during the World Series at that time? Yeah. Unless I remember it. So that wouldn't have been good. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, eh, I'm all for a good Dome stadium as long as you can open it up. That's not happening with the Trop. Maybe when we get up to Montreal, we'll have a Dome that you can open up. We'll see. Ooh, I, I like those those new stadiums where they have like the glass roof. Yeah. I like those. Those are really cool. We were going to have one of those, but, you know, people got in the way of things. <laughs> Indeed, they did. Okay, so we know where we are. We know how the AL East is progressing. I mean, there's a leader, and that leader is, is only by, what, a couple of games. But that's all that matters right now. I am so glad to see when we came back to Boston, we turned things around. We had to face one of our greatest rivals. You might say our greatest rival. And a lot of that rivalry is built upon animosity, if you will. You know, it's just ugly, Brandon. I mean, when when the rivalry is based upon people being hit by a pitch instead of just pure competitive nature, that's not a, a true rivalry as far as I'm concerned. That's just two angry mobs. I, I think that the Rays faced it pretty well. And while I played that earlier excerpt with Kevin from last year and some of his words a bit harsh, he, I won't say he muted it, but he toned it down this year. You know, he still had his comments about it. Even Meadows post-game was saying, you know, no, I, I don't necessarily think that he intentionally hit me. He said, but I knew my guys were behind me. Yeah, all the guys were behind him, and, and they stayed in the dugout, and that's, that's probably a good thing for everybody. I mean, this may be a little bit of a controversial opinion, especially in the, the baseball world, but I kind of like it. Let's be the, the mean guys on the block, you know? <laughs> People hate our other two teams. Hockey fans are saying the Lightning are cheating, you know, tampering with the cap, and they're not. That's just the way the rules are configured. And, you know, the Bucks, they're winning. They got Brady. And we had Brady running down a safety in the Super Bowl to talk trash to him. I mean, I love it. Let's, let's be the bad guys. You know, the Yankees call themselves the savages, but I'm sorry. You can't be a savage if you're soft, and that's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's too true. You know, it, this just the last couple of nights ago, we've had WrestleMania here. And you talk about talking trash. They know how to do it. And folks, if you're not familiar, and you should be, if you're a race fan at all, 
seen one of the promotions they do for the Rays online, and that is what that wrestler, Mr. Drew McIntyre, and he gets out there and he gets in the face and he talks with ferocity. I'm not hearing that same ferocity from everybody else. Well, hey, this is like considered like, I guess, a haven for wrestling history and everything, because I guess a lot of guys lived here and, you know, cut their teeth here, as they say. So let's take that history and, you know, put it on the field with our teams. Right. Well, let's talk about how that rolled out. How'd it go? We started out with game one. That was opening day here. You know, we're looking for great things. Opening day in Tampa at the Trump with the Yankees. That started out with some veteran newbies, didn't it? Yeah, we had the newbie, Rich Hill. He started for the Rays. He went six innings, gave up four runs. All of them were earned, but he had seven strikeouts on 83 pitches. And just looking at his stat line, you don't think he did that great. But watching the game, he looked really good. And honestly, I don't think those four runs at all were his fault because Adamus, you know, sort of messed up the play in the beginning. He should have let Wendell field yeah. the ball. That probably would have gotten him out of the inning. And then I believe there's a next batter. I can't remember off the top of my head, but somebody hit the ball right where the second baseman would have been, <laughs> but they were on the shift. So that kept the inning going and they ended up putting four up in that inning. So very easily Hill could have had a shutout if it wasn't for those little mistakes. But Well, you know, it's a good point too about, about the, the shift and uh, Willie, who I love, and you saw him running right in front of Wendell. And to a way, it was difficult for him, Wendell, to get. Uh, no, it was very difficult for. It was very difficult for Adamus to get the ball, but he was his enthusiasm. I, 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 I go ahead and say fantastic for that, but you really should let Wendell get that one. He was really right there in the line of fire. And as as far as the shift goes, Pete, you, I don't know how much more we're going to be doing that. Teams are more and more looking and finding out how to hit through the opposite field. You're seeing more and more grounders. You're seeing more and more bunts to basically try to fight off that whole shift idea. I, I, that to, to that, I say, thank God. I mean, I had that idea four or five years ago. If a dude leaves 60 feet between him and third base, it might be a good idea to drop the bunt down. But, hey, is it, it's better late than never. Yeah, and, and maybe there's lessons learned. Guess what? Maybe the shift was a great idea when it first started out, and maybe it still is today, but it's also a big gamble. I know there's somebody in a dark room with a computer screen and analytics and trying to figure out, okay, let's see out of 5,729 games. And we go, hell, and we multiply that. But yeah, okay, go ahead and pie and get out your slide chart and all that and figure it out. But I can't imagine just from what I'm seeing in my eyes and the games I've seen thus far this season that the shift is as effective as it was just a couple of years ago. I wonder if you can find numbers on that. If like the efficiency of the shift and, you know, is it worth it as time has gone on? That should be, that could be an interesting topic to do in the future. I think so. We could do that on a regular baseball biz show. So let's, let's write that down. That's a topic, man. Put it on the note card, put it on the post-it, stamp it on the wall. And we'll, if we don't do it next week, we'll do it in the next couple of weeks, but we'll start doing the homework on it. So Rich Hill, he performed great. I, I loved watching the man. I was glad to see him in there for at least six innings. And then he was facing up, uh, starting out against Corey Kluber. Corey didn't stay there too long. Now, kind of give you a hint why I was teasing at the beginning, saying something about veteran newbies. Rich Hill, you know, he's been in, oh gosh, he's been uh, since 2005 at the major level, starting out with the Cubs. More recently, he was with the Dodgers and the Twins. And 
you look at Corey Kluber, also a veteran. He began a little later than Rich Hill. He was in 2011. Started out with Cleveland, the Rangers, and now I think this is this is his first year with the Yankees, isn't it? I believe so. The big signing. Yeah, very big signing. And let's see, he he only pitched two innings, but man, he had some negativity as far as what was happening with him. He had he did have three strikeouts, which is okay, you know, looks okay. But what he had five hits, three earned runs, and and two walks. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest day. I, I saw that this was his shortest outing that wasn't, you know, because of injury. And looking at the race side, everybody had a hit, and the only guy that didn't was Phillips, but he still contributed because he had a, a sack fly, and really everybody contributed. And the great thing is, they put up 10 runs. Do you know how many home runs that they hit? How many? Just the one. Wow. So, wow. so maybe that's a good thing. They're starting to listen to us, and... Maybe learn to play the small ball a little bit more. I'm enjoying that. I got to tell you right now, I've enjoyed those games. Like you were saying, eight out of the nine players had you know a run. That just that was exciting. And the ninth guy, he still contributes. It's not like he was a liability either with the sack fly. Yeah, and, and but and you look at at the results of that. Well, so I'm looking here and seeing that the, as we started out this group of games, a series of games. Yankees had lost five straight regular series against the Rays. Wow. This has got to hurt them. I mean, they they were they were sore. We can talk about how maybe some of that translated and, and how they responded in game three in a minute. But let's take a look at game two. Game two was kind of interesting too because I was excited about seeing the return of Chris Archer to the Trop in game two. By the way, did you have anything else in game one before we moved on? Uh, no, I did not. Game two was exciting for me, like I said, for Chris Archer being there. And I wanted to see what he was going to do. I've had my concerns. I mean, when Chris Archer was traded, I was, oh, I'm okay with that. Because I don't think he was at the peak of his game. And the two guys we got were Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows. But so that was a good return. Chris looks like he's, he suffered a lot. Last year, he was out completely because of some surgery. He actually wound up having to leave this game. It had nothing to do with his surgery, just some tightness he had in his forearm. But he looked great out there, man, for like the 2.1 innings he was pitching out there. It was amazing to watch that man. He, he looked like the archer that, that one year that he had where he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's the archer that he looked like. And you know we didn't expect that to happen, or at least not this quick, only the second start. but. Unfortunately, it, he had to leave early because of, I think it was forearm tightness. And thankfully, it's not that bad. I believe he's, he's on 10-day IL. Yeah. So it, so hopefully, he's not out too long. And when he comes back, he can pitch the same or if not close to it. Well, I'm looking forward to it, too. Like I said, I was really excited about what I did see in those couple innings. And I'm glad that if he's feeling any kind of tightness whatsoever, they got him out before it could be something else. I mean, if we look at a game two... Let's see. We also had Andrew Kittredge come out and play. I always like watching him. Austin Meadows. There he was, man. He hit, uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah. Austin had his, hit a home run. <laughs> that one, that was interesting. You saw it bounce off that right field pole. Yeah. That was only 337 feet. And let's see. Uh, oh, Rosarina. Said at that point, he extended a hitting streak to seven games. He had a single. And he also hit a solo home runner off of uh, Domingo Germain or Hermain. Herman. 
Herman, thank you. He also had a solo homer off for Domingo Herman. And, and a fun fact about Rosarena, his brother is actually, he just signed with the Rowdies, which is our one of our soccer teams here. And he's their goalie. And this was the first game that his brother got to see him play in the majors. So get out of here. That wasn't wasn't a bad bad first game to watch. No, not not at all. That's that, that's exciting. Oh, by the way, on Hermaine, I don't know if you heard or not, but uh, they sent him down, man. Oh, I didn't. I thought he was one of their better pitchers. Yeah, well, I guess they didn't like what they saw, so they uh, yeah they they sent him back down to the alternate site. You know, they didn't kick him out. They didn't DFA him or anything like that. But he's no longer sitting there sitting pretty with that. So, see, yeah, took the loss and was later optioned to their alternate to their training alternate site. So that was a nice win. Rays win 4-0, you know, pitching their – and that was their second shutout of the season too. So that was pretty cool. And then we move on to game three. So that, game three was exciting. I mean, we get to see the return after three, 1,300 days later, four surgeries, two perfect innings. All this comes together. That was Mr. Brent Honeywell. So it had been 1,300 days since he had taken the mound in a regular season game. Wow. And he's starting out. He's starting the game against the Yankees. Exciting. That's a pretty uh, high task for your very first major league start. And especially, that's your first start after, what, four years with all those surgeries? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you imagine the determination of that young man to stay with that. The, the passion it must take to say, I am going to get better. I am going to be better than even I was before. I am going to get past this injury and be a better player. And, man, did he do it. I mean, he only pitched two innings. The way I understood it was Cash was only going to pitch him for one, you know, get him out there again. But he did so well with the first – put him out for a second inning. And, let's see, two innings. He had 21 pitches, two strikeouts, zero hits, and zero earned runs. Nice. Not bad at all. Pretty good opener, too. I liked, I liked that part of the game. <laughs> the game changed a little later. I wasn't as happy. But and Michael Walker, he came out there and eh, not, not necessarily his best performance. He did have, for four innings, he did have five strikeouts. I like that. Wasn't so happy about the three hits, three earned runs, and three walks. Three walks. Almost a walk per inning. Eh. I saw a stat, and I, I told you this earlier, and it comes from Steve Carney, which if, if you're a Rays fan, you'll probably know who that is. And he was talking about the game yesterday, and in total, they had seven walks, two hit by pitches, and two errors, which led to 11 unearned base runners. And for a team that prides itself on pitching and defense, that's that's not good at all. It's, it's mind-numbing to me, okay? Absolutely freaking mind-numbing. You know, it... And this led up to the ninth inning where you've got two teams with four runs each, right? Yep. Jeez. You know, uh, so a lot of stuff that happened should never, ever have happened. And it certainly can't all sit on walk-up because the complete ugliness happened in the 10th inning. And, man, that was just bad, bad, and bad when the Yankees came up with four runs. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I we were talking yesterday, and I couldn't watch much of the game because, unfortunately, because the storms here is messing with the power. And I got to see the tenth inning, and 
I quickly changed the channel to something else, much more <laughs> suitable to watch. And so that figures as soon as I can tune in to watch a game that's really exciting and you know high blood pressures, it goes the it goes the wrong way for us. Oh, you know, and so we took two of the three. We won the series. We didn't sweep the Yankees. That game ended in an eight-four loss to the Yankees, and. There was a special award, I think it was given after the game to, uh, who was it? Oh, Jordan Montgomery. Oh. The Yankees pitcher. Yeah. Good for him. And he got, huh? Good for him. Yeah, yeah. He got the C.C. Sabathia Sportsmanship Award for hitting, <laughs> for hitting Austin Meadows twice in one game. And gosh, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm so sick of seeing this. You could, some people said that first was questionable. I don't think it was questionable. I think he was really going after Austin, either that or he just needs to be taken off the mound. For as much money as the Yankees spend and as people are as great as people say they are, they spend all the money, get some better pitchers that can control your pitches, maybe. I mean, my goodness. He wasn't wasn't throwing a slider. He wasn't throwing a curveball. And it was like a direct shot at the, you know, elbow, not the elbow, at the shoulder, at the arm and shoulder of Austin Meadows. And to me, I was... Quite surprised people didn't climb off the benches. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of getting old, honestly. I'm tired of like the beanball wars that seem to happen every series. I just like good old fashioned hate where you're yelling at each other, hitting home runs. That's the hate I love, but <laughs> this kind of gets old. And I mean, it's stupid to be honest, but it is what it is. I'd be upset too if I were losing to a team with a quarter of the payroll that we had and yeah. owned by a guy named Stu. So. And if I had pitchers who can't control their pitches, I'd be upset. Indeed, indeed. And when I look at that, and I think, well, you know, Joey Wendell just got hit in the helmet. I don't know how much directly it was to the head the other day, too. So I pray for the safety of players on all teams. And while I make a little lightness of it with the CC Sabathia Sportsmanship Award, it is something that's serious. And I don't know. That MLB has figured it out because it doesn't look like the umpires figured it out. So, oh, oh, oh! What happened there? Okay, well, you know, I I think that we need to do is we need to have a little discussion and tell both teams at this point you are getting a warning. Okay, did y'all do y'all feel that? Do you feel the the pain and anguish of that? Okay, good because I, I want y'all to feel a warning has been issued. What happens after that? I don't know about you, but for as long as I've been watching baseball. Every time somebody gets warned and then they hit somebody else, the pitcher and the manager are ejected usually. And yeah, and this happened for both sides. Unless I see saw otherwise, Rays were warned too. So were the Yankees, and both of the guys hit hit, hit players on the other team. So why weren't why wasn't anybody ejected? Uh, did they just? I, I mean, I saw the rule. I didn't know it existed until yesterday. Where like after the warnings, if the pitch is deemed accidental, you don't have to eject them. But I've never seen that. I've always seen them get ejected. And likewise, cause I'm the same. And that's what I've seen in the past too. I didn't know about that rule, by the way, either. I didn't either. I thought I didn't ex- didn't think it existed. <laughs> I thought it was automatic. Well, well, we did find out that uh, that was the second time the Rays lost when leading after seven innings. Falling to two to two in those games that are going twenty five to zip in twenty twenty, you know. So the second time in the last five games 
the Rays lost when leading after seven compared to no losses of that type in the previous 119 games. Uh, it's, what, let's say it again, Brandon. It's early in the season. A lot of things are going to happen. A lot of things are going to change. And I wish well. Let's, let's end on a positive note talking about that game in that series. And that goes back to Mr. Brent Honeywell. Talking about him making his major league uh, his major league debut, his first regular season or postseason since the AAA National Championship in September 2017. Thirteen hundred days later, he's back up there. He's looking good. You know, this is a young man that Cash said he was only play for one inning. He wound up playing two because he he did so well. And I'm looking forward to the time where Cash is comfortable with his health, and Brent is starting and playing four, five, six innings. Yeah, hopefully that's later in the year, maybe past the All-Star break, where we can start going, you know, normal innings like most of the starters do. And the most impressive thing is, you said his last game he played was in the AAA World Champ or the AAA Championship, and it's quite a big jump from that to the majors to where your first six guys you face all go six up, six down, and that's LeMahieu, Judge, Hicks, Stanton, and Torres. And to do six up, six down... In your first start in four years, even your first game in four years, that's impressive. You're not going up against a AAA team, and you're going against those heavy, heavy, heavy hitters and coming out with the results that uh, Honeywell did. Well played, Mr. Honeywell. Well played, and welcome back. Now let's take a jump into that very special edition of Rays Up, Baseball Biz, the X-Rays. We seem to do a lot of x-rays profiles. Happens a lot. Yeah. You know, I know Eric Neander makes some great trades, but <laughs> seeing a lot of these guys going past and, and leaving and doing fantastic. And one of those, of course, like I said, is Mr. Nate Lowe. Nate's been fantastic. You know, again, one of those players who was really showing a lot of promise and a little bit of a head scratcher about when he was leaving, but Nate wasn't getting the playing time, I think, that either he liked or the team liked. And let's see, can I give you a kind of rundown of Nate? Let's see, when he's in 2019, he played 50 of 162 games. That's probably because we didn't bring him up till late. So in 2019, he had 152 at bats. He had 24 runs, 40 hits, eight doubles, seven home runs, uh, nine, nine uh, walks, you know, based on balls, 263 average. 325 on base percentage, which is nice. And uh, what else? 19 RBIs. And so that was a limited season 2019 because, again, I don't know. He didn't. He only played uh, 50 of 162 games. Then 2020 with us, he played 21 of 60 games that we played. He had 67 at-bats, 10 runs, 15 hits, two doubles, four home runs, nine Base on balls, a 224 average, 316 on base percentage, one stolen base, and 11 RBIs. 11 RBIs, not bad. But guess what? This year, here we are, 2021. He's been out there. He's played nine games. He's got 14 RBIs. <laughs> yeah, he's got a 297 on base percentage, one stolen base, and... Let's see, 2019, 2020, 
He had 2020, the whole season, he only had one stolen base. He is just knocking it crazy with the Rangers. So for nine games, nine games, he's had 34 bats, four runs, eight hits, one double, three home runs, a 235 average, 297 on base. Good gravy. That That's just huge. Yeah, and especially now, I really wish we could have him on the roster because Choi is out. And I said it before. I remember, I believe it was around the playoff time. I told you about a topic I want to do about who should be the first baseman coming up. And I thought it would be either between Lowe or Choi. And honestly, I would love to see maybe them go back and forth because I think G-Man's the better defender to where Lowe Looking at it now, he's probably the better offensive side of the ball. And it would be the perfect back and forth because, honestly, I don't think Yoshi is all that great. Now, it's it's a smaller sample size. You know, last year you can kind of, you know, give him a break on because it's a very tough situation for everyone. Right. But even right. this year, to where it was about as normal as you can be, he really hasn't looked that great. And... I mean, I don't know why we're batting him in the leadoff position when he has <laughs> probably the worst batting average on this team. And I'm not trying to sound mean to the guy, but... Oh, no. I mean, we got to have some results, and he's not really coming through. And looking at low, where what he's doing right now, it looks like they made the wrong decision. Yeah, you know, and Neander makes enough great decisions. I'm not going to hit him too hard on this, but I, I like you. I have some questions. I think the whole Yoshi thing, we want to see a, some real positive results. We haven't just we haven't seen it yet. Will it come? Hopefully, we'll, we'll see. But I, when you first wrote up those notes months ago, and you had Low and Choi there, and I thought, okay. And then you had what uh, we were looking at uh, Diaz possibly as a DH, but you know, and Yoshi was as a DH for a while. Uh, but I, I don't know. I. I I don't know what you can do with Yoshi and with the performance he has right now. He's probably not great trade material. Yeah, I mean, I'll be more than happy to admit that I was wrong in in any in a week. I'll be more than happy to admit I was wrong, but at the moment, I feel that I'm right. But hey, be happy to say I'm wrong. Well, I tell you what, let's take a look at who we have. I mean, I get tired of hearing other teams complain and whine. Last year, the Yankees. Oh my gosh. We got so many injuries. We got so many people, and that's why we're not kicking it. Uh, I'm not going to say that because I think we're performing well, but we do have a lot of people right now on the injured list. I mean, we've got, uh, let's see, G-Man Choi. Uh, Let's take a look at who's on the 60-day IL, the bullpen of the Tampa Bay race, whether it be Chaz Rowe, Nick Anderson, Oliver Drake, Jalen Beeks, Yanni Chirinos, Colin Poche, Colin Poche, uh, all, all those guys, one, two, three, four, five, six bullpen guys are on a 60-day IL. And these are pretty good guys, too. And it's not like they're coming back in later this month or even, even the next month. These guys are coming back late in the season, playoffs even, if they do have the ability to come back this year. June, July, but like I said, most of them are, are questionable. And especially, I think, if you look at Poche and Beeks, there's big, big question marks there. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong one. I was looking at the surgery date. Most of them are eligible to return 
late May, early June, so not as bad yeah. as I thought it would be. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. No, but nonetheless, there's there's still a great deal of time before that happens. And if we look at the others, Choi, he's on a 10-day IL. Kiermaier, the same. I expect him actually to be back uh, probably later this week. Same for Pete Fairbanks, uh, Chris Archer. A little longer, about two weeks for Chris, I think, before we see him. But uh, less than that because he's on a 10-day IL. I'm just glad, you know, Chris, after having all that surgery, being out last year, that this had nothing to do or related to that uh, surgery. So, you know, that's the injury report, but we've got a lot of guys that are healthy. And Kevin Cash and company have done a great job of working up a, a good roster with the Rays that are still there and the ones that we've had to bring up. I, I love watching guys like Cody Reed. He's been fun to watch. Oh, Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, Jeff Jeffrey Springs. I don't, I don't even think he's given up a run so far this year. Or at least his ERA is zero. I don't know if he's given up runs. So, you know, folks, those are some great things we have with the Rays right now. We're looking forward to seeing even more of that. And starting Monday, we're going to have uh, the Rangers in town. We're going to see Nate Lowe. And I applaud him for what <laughs> he's achieved everywhere else, Brandon, but I don't want to see it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want to see it tomorrow, but it'll be – It'd be nice to see him succeed, though, because he's, he's getting a good chance out there in Texas. I agree. I wish him all the best. I mean, it was great to watch him, at, you know, even with the Charlotte, down in Charlotte with the Stone Crabs. I look forward to seeing uh, Nate Lowe play with us here with the Rangers, and it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, anything else you want to share with us uh, on this special Raise Up Baseball business edition? I mean, even though it's early, you can still judge the team. You know, you don't around Memorial Day. That's when you can start really getting to know these teams, seeing who's got what, where the concerns really are, and up until then, just learn, have fun, hopefully win a lot of those games. Because at the end of the day, they all do matter as much as we say they don't. That's right. And I hope that while we have limited capacity at Trap right now, I hope everybody gets an opportunity to go out there and see some of the games. And hopefully things will get better with COVID where we can have more and more people attend. So thank you all again for listening to another edition of Baseball Biz on the special Raise Up Baseball Biz. Remember, you can always find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod. You can find myself at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. You can find us on several of the podcast directories, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Oh, they're everywhere. We look forward to uh, having you here again and talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for the music, Stomps and Claps.